Good morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we finished the series on Genesis. Uh, did anyone learn anything? Oh dear. We'll have to speak to Garth about that. Maybe some different speakers. <laughs> so did anyone learn anything? <laughs> Can you remember, is there anything that stands out to you that we spoke about foundational truth um, from the very beginning of time about the Christian faith? Um, is there anything you, anyone could possibly throw out there that we could would be talking about? Man's a very slow learner. Ah, you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely... Yes, yes, right from the back at the beginning at Genesis 1. Yeah. God's always wanted a better relationship with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God has not only wanted a relationship, but God has um, authored relationship and God has created us for the very purpose of being in relationship with Him and with each other. And that same. Uh, that same idea and thought goes through today to the Ten Commandments and it said up there this little cartoon was good I don't know about you but I've only found a couple that work for me and I'm not sure if that was the idea for the idea of most of the Israelites back then but I'm sure over time uh, some of them had that sort of thinking Uh, President Ronald Reagan once said of the Ten Commandments I've wondered at times what the Ten Commandments would have looked like if Moses had to run them through US Congress. You see, the Declaration of Independence in America is about 1,300 words and the the US Constitution is about 4,400 words. And recently the US government regulations on cabbage sales has tipped 27,000 words. Quite complicated. The Ten Commandments, depending on your version, you'll find it's about 180 words. And next week we'll look at uh, Jesus' summary of the Ten Commandments. We're going to look at Jesus speaking about the greatest commandment. Probably about 40 words. We are surrounded by laws everywhere we go. From uh, From the road and uh, from the country that we live in, the laws of the land, um, the laws that, that we have to abide by when we go to other countries and travel. Uh, we've got workplace laws, we've got school laws, we've got laws at home that we need to abide by. And these laws uh, are in place to set some sort of structure, uh, some sort of guidelines we, I, I've just joined uh, playing sport with Chris on a Thursday night, a bit of tennis and you would think that even sporting fields and sporting codes have their own laws but maybe not so much on a Thursday night, I found out. Um, I was just playing and, and uh, looked across to this other section of tennis on this other court. In between their games they've got stubbies of beers <laughs> sitting there that playing tennis and then they're, they're drinking beer during the games. Like, and I, I scratched my head and I said, what's going on? Like, obviously, laws don't apply to all sorts of sporting codes but definitely if you go to the MCG and you run onto the ground at half-time or during the game, you'll 
soon um, find out what sort of what sort of laws they have there in regards to um, behaviour. And and the whole point of these laws that we face on the roads and the laws that you face at the MCG and the laws that you need to deal with at school and work is that there is a, a standard, an idea that the that the laws of the land and, and people at your work um, require of, of you at your work. There's an expectation of kids at school to behave in a certain way and that is guided by the laws that are in place and there's a certain behaviour that you're expected to have on the roads and that's guided by the laws that are in place that you only go at this limit and you can't drive like a hern and you can't do this and you can't do burnouts. And God created us as we we said already earlier today that God created us for relationship first with him and with others and the Ten Commandments as we'll see this morning are firstly a revelation of God's character. They're a revelation of who God is, God's nature. God starts off with saying in verse 1 of chapter 20, I am the Lord your God and then from that statement he then goes on to say and this is who I am. I am the Lord your God, Israel, and this is who I am. I am a just God. I am a loving God who is faithful. I don't get jealous over people's possessions or anything because I am the creator of all things and all things are mine. I command respect and worship from you because I created you. I command honour for parents because I have placed them in great responsibility of raising my creation, children. He is a God who took time to rest. He is a God who is truthful and honest. And God is revealing to his people, his chosen nation, that this is who I am. Understand your position. Understand who you are through this and know that you need to be in a faithful relationship with me and relationship with one another and we'll see why in a minute. The Mosaic law consists of sort of three sections. There's the religious life um, laws. I think it's 613 laws all up. The religious life, the civil life, Laws, and then we deal with the Ten Commandments, which deal with the spiritual and moral uh, life of the Israelites. And it's important to note that he gave this law to the Israelites. This law was given to this covenant people, his chosen people, the Israelites. And it was given to a redeemed people. The Israelites were a redeemed people. You see that in Exodus chapter 6. They are a redeemed people. And it wasn't to redeem people. So what relevance does the Ten Commandments have to us today? Um, All sorts of arguments and debates about how it applies to us today and we'll look a little bit about that next week um, when we look at what Jesus has to say about it. But of course there is relevance today and and we'll get a bit of a grasp on that today as well as next week. But we need to remember that God is giving this law 
to his people, the Israelites. And these commandments that God has given are much more than just guidelines and they're much more than just suggestions. In fact, they're commandments and that's why they're called the Ten Commandments. They're not nouns, they are verbs, they are calling the people to action and also what not to do. So what to do and what not to do. And through their obedience, God wants to bless them. Through their obedience to his commandments, he wants to bless them and then use them as his people to reach out to the other nations around them. And this revelation of God's character, this revealing of his nature, his very person to his people, is telling them that this is the perfect standard for living. This is who I am. This is the perfect standard for living. And by doing that, it reveals the sin in the lives of the Israelites. It is telling them that this is who you are. You are sinners. You have fallen short of who God is. And that through understanding their position, understanding who they are before God, that they would understand that they need to be in a faithful relationship with God, be fully dependent upon God for forgiveness, be fully dependent upon God to love them and guide them and sustain them. But unfortunately we see as we move on in time and into the New Testament, the law became a way of boasting. Uh, The law became a way for people to achieve things and to show others how good they were and it formed this uh, religious hierarchy which missed the whole point. You can't earn your way to God's favour. So God gives this foundational truth, I am the Lord your God. God is giving these commandments to his people based upon the fact of who he is and what he has done. I think uh, one of the struggles that we face, well I definitely face with is when we give instruction, whether it be at home but I'm thinking at work, um, when we give instruction you have to be really careful not to contradict yourself. I have, a, I have a rule in the kitchen at work uh, that we're not to um, use mobile phones. So I've got to be careful, you know. I use my mobile phone a bit for, for work, business and stuff but I need to be careful. I don't just on the phone walking around the kitchen, you know, giving social calls and, uh, and chatting away. Because if I walk around the kitchen, I tell you there's about 15, 16 people in the kitchen and they quickly pick up when you say something and then do the other. They quickly pick it up and I, I imagine I've heard um, you know, and already I think kids, children uh, do exactly the same. But God gives these commands based upon the fact of who he is and his nature. He's perfect. That he has chosen them to be his nation, his people and they will be a blessed people if they obey his commandments. And in chapter 9, 8 we read that um, that was their 
promised back to Moses, we will do everything that God has promised. We will do, sorry, that God has commanded. So God comes to these Ten Commandments and the focus of the first four commandments were all about Israel's relationship with God and then following that, the last six sort of highlight their relationship with one another. Because of who God is, because of the nature of God and the character of God, God demands and commands respect, love and worship to him alone. Uh, The Israelites had come from uh, Egypt, uh, back from the times of Joseph and back at that time in Egypt, it was quite common for the, for the households to have gods and it was quite common in that pagan culture to have a number of gods, a god of fortune, a god for the sun, uh, a god for the moon and the stars, a god for health and that was the society that they lived in for a long time and that was the society um, and the, the environment in which God had brought them out of and he removed them from that hostile environment where they were starting to be treated really harshly because there had come along a new pharaoh who had forgotten all about who Joseph was and now he's telling them that I command that you recognise that I am the only God I am your God I place priority upon you and you are to worship me and me alone that I am the God who placed the moon and the stars in place, that spoke the sun into existence and you have no other gods but me. As he has placed priority upon his people, he desires that they place priority upon their God. How quickly though, as we read on, does their thinking and their priorities change? Soon, later on, uh, it speaks of them turning to their old ways, to something physical, a God that they can see, that they can make, that they can touch. Moses was gone 40 days and they said to Aaron, please give us a a God that, we can, that can guide us, that can lead us. Who knows what's happened to Moses? And so they make this golden calf. You know, I was thinking uh, how quickly our Sunday thoughts and attitudes and desires can change from a Sunday morning here to a Monday morning at the workplace, at home, at school. What is a desire to be holy on Sunday can so quickly change on a Monday. What's a desire to be set apart and, 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 and to worship God alone and to love God and to give him Everything I have can 
so quickly change, can't it, on a Monday morning when we're faced with temptation. What is a desire to be wholesome in talk and speech and to be truthful and honest on a Sunday can so easily change on a Monday where we can slip into the norm of the worldly talk and speech. And that's why it's so important that we recognise spending time with God in his word and spending time with God in prayer constantly will reflect in the way in which God lives out through us. So the six commandments that follow from that, God brings the focus to the relationships that they have with each other. What should they look like? What should they look like? Again, this is based on the foundational truth that I am the Lord your God and your relationships with one another Israel are to be founded upon who I am. That your relationships with one another are going to tell the other nations something about the nature of who God is. An honest God. A God who speaks the truth. The relationships that they had from children to parents, from brothers to sisters, friends to friends was to be an expression of the very nature of God. That they are not rules that are put in place to let Israel declare they are the best in the world at being good at relationships. Not at all. But if you want to have a successful relationship it should be founded upon the nature and character of God. Relationships break down when the nature of God and the character of God is no longer displayed. Relationships break down when the character of God is no longer displayed. Lies break relationships. Dishonesty, lack of respect, jealousy, anger, disloyalty, break relationships. And God is telling his people, your relationships with each other are based upon who I am so that the way you relate to each other (coughs) is going to be a reflection of who I am as your God and that the other nations around you are going to look at you, Israel and are going to see the relationship you have with me and are going to see the relationships you have with one another And those relationships are going to tell them about who your God is.
these Ten Commandments weren't put in place to earn salvation as we said earlier. But in fact Romans 5.20 Paul says this that the law was given so that the people could see how sinful they actually are. And he goes on to say in Romans 7 how would I know that coveting is sin if the law didn't tell me? How would they know that they are falling short of God's character, of God's glory? How would they know that they aren't sinning if God didn't first reveal to them who he is? That he is the Lord their God, that he... The Ten Commandments are a revelation of who God is and revealing in the Israelites' hearts the sinners that they are. And by doing that, it was to bring them to an understanding that they need to be in a right relationship with God and that they need to be in right relationships with each other. That through those relationships they would testify and be a great example to the other nations of who their God is. You know what I love about, about the Bible, um, although sometimes it's really hard, is that the Bible really brings me back to earth, sometimes with a big thud. But when I read the Bible and the Holy Spirit continually convicts me of where I fall short in my life, And it continually is telling me that by myself I can't really achieve anything of eternal value. By myself living is really pointless with eternity in mind. And it reminds me that I'm desperately in need of a saviour. But as I read the Bible, I continually am reminded of what Jesus has done for me. And I start to understand now that I am a Christian, that I have come before God and been brought into a relationship with God because I have said, yes, I believe in what Jesus has done for me on the cross, that he has died for my sins in my place before God. I am seen as clean and pure. And as I read the Bible, I'm reminded of the purpose in which God now has for me while I live this short time on this earth that he has come into my life now because I have a relationship with him and he is changing me. Not that I'm perfect now, not that I ever will be, but he's changing me day by day as I surrender myself to him.
You know what I love about the Bible the most? Of how it speaks of what is to come. That when my time is up here on earth, uh, eternity in heaven is not just a chance, but eternity in heaven is a guarantee. I know I live this life with the knowledge that I will spend eternity with him. What about you today? Do you have that same assurance and understanding and knowledge? Do you know where you stand before God? Do you know exactly who God is? Do you know exactly your position before him that you're in need of a saviour? that you would be brought into relationship with him because that's why God actually created you. That you can live with a new purpose and live with the hope and assurance of spending eternity with him. If that's not you, then I really challenge you not to leave this place today without talking to someone. Let's pray. Lord and God, from the very beginning of time you have desired relationship with us and you have done everything from the, from the time of the Israelites to the time in which we live in right now. You have done absolutely everything to bring us into relationship with you. Lord, I thank you. And I pray that we'll be challenged this week to take the attitudes and the desires that we have here on a Sunday, to take them into the week and to continually spend time in your word, in prayer with you, meditating upon everything you've done for us and your goodness to us. And may we live the hope and the assurance of spending eternity with you. Pray in Jesus' name these things. Amen.